irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee, right here on LA Talk Radio. I'm ready. Yeah. Well, more stories. What's up? How you feeling? Everybody gets pregnant because Jay Moore is legendary. Keith Reza is my guest. Keith, what's up, buddy? What's up, Jay? Thanks for having me, man. You know, it's a long time overdue. You've been opening for me for how long? A year? Almost a year, yeah. Almost a year. But not not a year straight. It'd be like a couple gigs there, then a couple gigs there. Well, that's how it is for me also. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't like I was omitting you from gigs. Like, I, <laughs> like no, I got to let the other guy open because he's, he's better in bed. <laughs> um, yeah, it's you, Billy Dawes on the East Coast. It's Lawrence Deloach. <clears throat> and uh, that's it. Yeah. Really. We're in San Jose right now. We're in a hotel room, the Fairmont Orchid in San Jose. San Jose is a weird city, I found, because... They don't have coffee. There's no coffee anywhere. <laughs> None. Like, these people just run on, uh, like, Powerade or something. I don't know what's happening. Or meth. <laughs> a lot of meth. And uh, the San Jose Improv is fantastic. But uh, the sidewalk on that street, there's a there's a train that goes down the middle of the sidewalk. And I don't know what stroke of civic engineering genius said, uh, you know, we can thin the herd a little bit. It's just have a train go down where all the drunks are spilling. Because where all the drunks are spilling out of the sidewalks, that's where the freaking train goes. Yeah. And I, nobody gets run over. And I'm the one that almost dies every time. <laughs> I, I can't figure it out. Anyway, so Keith, you're, uh, how long have you been doing stand-up comedy? Uh, 11 years. How long have you been doing, let me, ref I'm sorry to interrupt you. How long have you been doing comedy full-time? Full-time? Probably three. So let's mix the difference. So we'll say, you know, if you had to, if you had to do between the 11 years here and there, the three years full-time, wait, how long do you think you've been doing comedy? Four years? Five years? Probably five, yeah. Okay. You're really funny. Oh, thank you. And you have Asperger's, yes. which is... It's a form of autism, and it means I just have uh, trouble socializing sometimes, and I'm very, very smart. Are you smart, or are you just like... Like, a, <laughs> like I'm, I'm very... I was, I was trying to come up with it. Like, I'm a fast thinker. Autistic savant joke. Like, like for example, uh, you know, we were, we were working on a, a script together, and I came up with that, like that. Like a lot that, of jokes. You know, yeah, fast thinking, you know? Uh, is at, and every question I have, forgive my ignorance, because it is, I'm coming from just ignorance, and I'm asking you, because I love that you're open about it on stage, and what really drew me to you as a comedian was your joke, you know, like a fat guy, I make jokes about being fat, the, the greatest to ever do it, in my opinion, is Brad Williams talks about what it's like to be a midget, right? because that's all you want to know, yeah. is midget stuff, yeah. so if Brad Williams didn't talk about being a midget, you'd be like, well, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. You're three feet tall. Tell me, what size is your dick? Is it regular, or is it normal size, or is it midget? You know, I've heard he has a big one. Yeah, he's he's a hog. <laughs> he's 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 one of the all-time greats, and I love you, Brad. Um, but as far as Aspergers go, I got to think. It, did you wrestle with the idea of talking about it on stage for a long time? Yeah, I mean, uh, because a lot of people don't know what autism is and it's also a very taboo subject where 
people might think I'm making fun of it or making fun of people who actually who have autism and thinking that I don't have it, you know? I feel, is that what I feel? Yeah. I feel that might be part of your trouble socializing. Yeah. Because it's all assumption. Because if you have Asperger's and you're, you don't make a meal of it, there's only a couple jokes really about it. Yeah. And they're great jokes. I, nobody can think you're mocking it if you have it and you're telling the audience you have it. You'd be diabolical. You'd be a Bond villain. Yeah. If you like pretended to have Asperger's just for those three jokes that are good. Yeah. That's what I, yeah, that's what I don't get. But like after every single show, like this lady last night, she said, do you really have Asperger's? And I was like, yeah. She's like, oh, you could hardly tell. And it just happens after every single show. And what does she want you to be banging your fucking forehead with pots and pans because right? of a low flying aircraft? Yeah. And I was like, where are the pots and pans? Where, how would somebody tell you at Asperger's by doing stand? That's what's yeah. hilarious to me. Like, what was her point of reference for Asperger's? Uh, because I talk about having Asperger's. So she had no experience with it. Yeah. And a lot of comedians actually do. Like, Tom Arnold has Asperger's. He's the best. Yeah. He, Tom's one of those guys. He's like a moral compass. If you meet somebody and they shit talk Tom Arnold, you don't have to be friends with that person. Yeah. It, he's just one of those guys. If you shit talk Tom Arnold, I got I, I got nothing for you. Yeah. You can go fuck yourself. Sweetest guy in the he world. Is, he is the sweetest <laughs> guy in the world. He, you know. So was part of not telling the audience about Asperger's, I got to think, um, it, is it like it, maybe part of it in the beginning I'm talking about it's private. It's maybe I don't need to share this. It's private. Embarrassing? Maybe. I'm reaching for straws here. Was was part of it like I don't want to admit it. I want to be a great comic independent of my Asperger's. No, the reason I started talking about uh, what it's like uh, being on the spectrum is because my dream is to be a stand-up comedian. And like I know from a lot of autism support groups I've gone to, growing up and stuff, it's very, it's very sad in a way because they always talk about their dreams. And I figured instead of talking about my dreams to be a comedian, I'm just going to do it. So I wanted to talk about the struggles of doing my dream with my autism. What? That's fascinating. That's I'm glad you said that. What do you feel holds the people you've seen talking about their dreams and not doing it? What do you, what in your opinion has been an overlying thing that's held them back? Not the condition itself. Not the condition. I think that they're too, I think that we all, like as humans, feel protected. And, you know, when you have autism and stuff, you might be too relying on the same, you know, like, for example, if you eat a cheeseburger every day, six days in a row, you're tired. You don't want to eat a grilled cheese on the seventh day because you're so used to the cheese. Your body starts craving it. Like when yeah. you eat healthy, yeah. When you eat healthy, your body craves healthy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like that. That's that feeling is hard to break the habit. It's breaking the. It's it's breaking the the tradition that they're used to. Like it's really hard for Aspies to do that. It, it seems self-imposed though. Yeah. Is that. I hate to circle back, but again, I'm coming from ignorance, is that I found with you, look, you're one of my dear friends, yeah. and you know I love you, and I know you love me. I love you so much, I gave you my Eddie Jones cards. Yeah, that's the greatest, maybe the best gift I've ever gotten. Really? Certainly from a comedian. Yeah. Uh, Keith's favorite basketball player. By the way, this is the most Asperger's thing <laughs> I've ever known. This is the most autistic fucking obsession ever. <laughs> 
Keith's favorite basketball player is Eddie Jones, former Laker, number 25, then number six. He went to Temple University. And I, by the way, fucking love Eddie Jones. <laughs> so when Keith told me his all-time favorite basketball player was Eddie Jones, I was like, mine's Allen Iverson. He's like, mine's Eddie Jones. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. And he knows every stat. Like, it, it's, <laughs> And then in the green room at the San Jose Improv on Friday night, Keith just goes, I brought all my extra Eddie Jones cards, <laughs> basketball cards for you, because these are all my extras. Like, there's Lakers, Charlotte Hornets, there's like a team he didn't play for, like he just tried on the shirt at a fucking at a Best Buy. <laughs> Him as a fucking Timberwolf or some shit. And it, I love them. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best gift I've ever gotten from a comedian, ever. Awesome. Ever. Like somebody give me a fucking Cadillac, he wouldn't touch those cards. <laughs> Because those cards would be in the Cadillac. Yeah. That was awesome, bro. Yeah. I've noticed your self-talk seems to skew towards negative. And negative, not like, fuck that guy, I don't like this person because you're not that kind of person. More like self-effacing and I feel like I'm bothering everybody and I don't want to be a, a pest. Yes. Yes. I, I tend to apologize a lot, especially on stuff that's probably not really my fault. I understand it, you know, and I don't, it's nothing to do with Asperger's. I think it's child. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, your dad died. What? No, no, no my your dad, dad left when you were. Yeah, my dad left, and then when we were two. Yeah, and, and then you, yeah, my grandfather died in 2011. So I. How old were you there? I was 24. So two, your dad's out but he's still alive, so he's around. So as you get older, you're like, what's wrong with me that he doesn't want to hang out with me? I'm his son. Yeah. That would make me feel a little sheepish. And then at 24, the guy who was your dad, Pops, uh, he dies. And then your dad now kind of snaps into the role of dad after yeah. his dad dies. Yeah. So I, I would guess, as a life coach, I wouldn't guess. I would, my, my summation would be not having a constant man. I know your grandfather, Pop, was was the man. Like yeah. he was a constant. Uh, but that's that's weird for any kid. Like where is everybody? And like they left you. You. I mean, I know they left the whole thing. Yeah. But we only go by ourselves. We're the lead in our own play. Yeah. I. I mean, I. I don't know. You know. Where is he now? Do you have any contact with your dad? With my biological dad. Yeah. I mean birthdays and Christmas we text uh, he lives in Wisconsin he has a wife and he also has another child who I don't that's really gotta be crazy like yeah. that's it's like a lifetime of what could what could have been it's like an alternate reality right in front of you yeah he he, he supports my comedy because uh, well, he, see, hold on it's easy to support comedy when you text on birthdays and Christmas from fucking Wisconsin he yeah. can fucking blow me first of all I'm no, a, no, I'm, dad. I'm just saying, like, he, he likes, you know, the statuses and retweets the tweets every now and then. So, like, I know he follows me. That's the bare minimum of parenthood. Yeah. And also just being a guy on Twitter. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't want to, like, shade how you feel about the guy. No, no, I'm just saying he, you know, he is supportive to a degree. That's what I'm trying to say. He's not negative about it. Yeah, he's not negative about There's it. There's a positive. You know what? I said you were negative, and then you're spinning a positive, and I'm fucking taking you to the woodshed over it. I apologize. Oh, it's fine. I, I just think so highly of you that somebody not needing to be around you all the time uh, uh, that is of your DNA confounds me, and I'm sorry. No. 
Can I say something about you, though? Like, no, no. Oh. This is my podcast. This oh. is here on the hot... No, of course. Oh, well, one, you've always been one of my favorite uh, stand-up comedians. I'm not just saying this because we're friends, but it's when I started comedy, uh, and God honest truth, my three favorite comedians were Norm MacDonald, Jeremy Hotz, and Jay Moore. It's good company. And the fact that I've opened and I'm friends with all three of you guys... Like you guys are such beautiful people, and you especially have really uh, upped my comedy. You, you know, you mentor me on my jokes, and you make me funnier. And I don't feel like I really do that much. That's interesting. Yeah. So I'm I mean, pretty hands off with you. Yeah. I don't I, want you to freak out on me. No, but I'm joking. But you really, I feel you've really upped my my comedy, and I just want to say I love you, and I thank you very much for that. Because without your help and guidance, I wouldn't be as funny as. I am today. Well, thanks. I, I have no memory of actually helping you with any joke ever. Yeah, with a hooker joke last night. Okay. Yeah. You know, I did see you last night because when you say goodnight, it, it's always been um, almost like a defeated, like you'd have a really great set. You always have a good set. Uh, what's your Twitter and your Instagram or anything? Uh, Keith Reza, R-E-Z-A. That's it? Yeah. Do you have a website or no? Oh, KeithReza.com. And the Reza's Riffs is your podcast. Reza Riffs, but spelled R-I-F-T-S. And I'll I'll put that up on uh, jmore.com so you guys have a direct link. Last night, I noticed after the first show, you were super high energy, like, are you guys ready for more show? Let's hear it. Yeah. And that's not like you at all. Because you used to say, and when I say used to, I mean every time I've ever seen you do comedy, including the Melrose Improv, every other city we've ever gone to together, you do have a great set, and you're like, my name's Keith, thanks. <laughs> Literally, like that's an exact impression. Pretty, I'm a great impressionist, right? Yeah. My name's Keith. Thanks a lot. Thank. I love you. And they're like, "Is he okay? We just having a good. What did we do?" And last night I said, "If you love him, like, maybe show it." Yeah. And you were really high energy. And by the time I got on stage at show, it was a different show. It was great. Yeah. So. Uh, and I, I wish you would have told me that the first time we worked together, so I could, you know. I always leave so quick. I can't yeah. talk to anybody. Yeah, so you texted me last night. Did you leave? And I'm like, when have I not left right away in your lifetime with me? That's true. That's true. I can't hang out. I get terrible like panic when I walk off stage. I feel like I'm wearing clown shoes and I'm like 18 feet tall. Like, hey, <laughs> it's like you go from being a god in the sample size you've chosen. Yeah, here is 53 minutes of me the way I want you to see me. Now I'm gonna fucking disappear because I'll just ruin it. Yeah. Because I'll be in the lobby going, you're pretty cute. You want to come back to my hotel? I'll fuck your husband too. Who cares? <laughs> well, so you wanted to pursue your dreams with autism as opposed to the autistic support groups and Asperger's support groups. You see people with on the spectrum talking about their dreams and not moving towards them. Exactly. Um, because they're stuck in a routine, perhaps. I'm yeah. oversimplifying your answer, but I'll just do it because they're stuck in that routine of talking about their dreams they're not doing. Yeah, and I wanted to break that routine. I wanted to... What was the hardest part? Was there a hard part of breaking that routine? Uh, yeah. It was the stage. I suffered... Uh, I think you also told me you at one time when you started, you suffered from stage fright. I still suffered from stage fright. Uh, that's normal, by the way. Yeah. Because the number one fear in the world is talking in front of an audience. Yeah. And you do it every night. Yeah. And the more you do it, the more that'll go away. Yeah. But for a guy that is socially 
awkward. It's and has trouble socializing, and you have a hard time reading people's reactions. Yeah, I feel like it could also go the way of, well, I can't read the reaction anyway, so fuck it. Yeah, I'm just gonna go up and talk. Yeah, and that's why I think. You know, you, you you told me to stop asking people how I did, but like I think I was very mad at you too. Yeah, because I do ask people how I do because I just want to be funny, you know, and that's part of the reason why, like I can't tell. I could tell off energy if I do good. You can hear them laughing. Yeah, but you know how much time it takes to start the next joke because the laughter hasn't stopped yet. Yeah, and I, I think that's the least Asperger's thing about you because I was guilty of that asking people how I did. Like I would host World of Warcraft and BlizzCon and it would go great. And I'd go back to my hotel room across the street and I would ask, I would go on the internet and just read how I did. And everyone's like, he was on drugs. He was inappropriate the way he touched that minor. <laughs> and I was like, what, a guy with like a bulb on his helmet? Yeah. And it was like, I was there and I had to just stop going to social media and seeing how I was doing. It was, I heard Greg Proops on his podcast, Smartest Man in the World. Say, if you look up anything about yourself on the internet, you are and you deserve to be everything you read. That's that's true. I mean, like, I'm, wow. gu I'm guilty of it, too. I mean, I read myself, too. And I think that there's a, a lot of negativity on the internet that I'm, in, I'm trying to stay away from. You should. And, I'll, you know, as a high school wrestling coach, I haven't had this talk with my wrestlers yet because I follow all of them on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I'll spot weird accounts like with... One guy's account was Nig Bigger, <laughs> right? And I found out which guy on my team it was. Yeah. And I pulled him aside and I go, that, that shit's got to be done tonight. Yeah. Tonight. Tonight, that's over. And someone's always watching. Yeah. College recruiters, a boss, future girlfriend's dad goes, yeah, I know you. You're the white kid who had an account, Nig Bigger. Yeah. No bueno, man, malo. But I want to ask my wrestlers, like, what do you get from Instagram? Because the answer is nothing. No. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing in your phone is right now. Maybe one of the best things I've ever said. <laughs> Nothing in your phone is now. It's some shit you want to get to or some shit you got to respond to that happened back then. Right. When I'm not on my phone for two days, I have 56 texts. None of them are really important whatsoever. And 53 of them are for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 40. Yeah. You know a joke of yours I love and the one that really got me to go... Oh, this guy's this guy's like a different breed of cat. This is a great comedian. Was at the Melrose Improv. I saw. I don't think you were opening for me. I think it was just maybe a guest spot. Okay. And you talked about having Aspergers and being on the autistic spectrum. And you said, uh, you know, I was different from other kids. They were making paper airplanes. I was making paper airports. <laughs> that joke blew my fucking mind. Yeah. That blew my fucking brains out. Yeah. And figuratively, you know. <laughs> It reminded me of an old Norm MacDonald pitch yeah. to Bob Newhart. Did I ever tell you this? No. He goes, uh, it, when you pitch to the host, there's an art of the fake pitch because you don't have an idea. Right. Or your idea you know is going to work, but you don't want to give away the jokes in the pitch meeting in front of everybody because then at the table read, no one's going to laugh because you gave the jokes away at the pitch. Right. Kevin Nealon and Norm were the best at the fake pitch. Their fake pitches were better than any of my real pitches. Okay. So Bob Newhart's sitting there, and Norm goes, Well, you know, I realized people always, uh, they mix up figuratively with literally, you know. You know, you say to a guy, like, Hey, hey, how'd you like that movie? You took your gal out to the movies? How'd you like that movie? The guy goes, Oh, my God, it was so funny. I literally laughed my head off. But his head's like, you know, 
still on his body, you know? <laughs> but Bob Newhart sensed something was off, like it was a fake. He knew it somehow. He knew it was bullshit. Right. And he goes, "I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure I, I follow." And he goes, "You know, like, oh, <laughs> oh my god, I literally shit my pants when you just scared me. But they didn't like they don't have shit in their pants, and they just got scared." And Newhart just goes, I, I, "I'm sorry." <laughs> but of course, it's Bob Newhart, the best comedian ever, yeah. smartest, erudite, brilliant, dry. And Norm's trying to outsmart him. <laughs> and Norm then catches on that Newhart is fucking with him. He goes, oh, here's another <laughs> Hitler uh, takes Algeria, you know? And you ask all those out, and we're just in awe. Like, this went on for 11 minutes. Yeah. There, there's 30 other people that haven't pitched yet. Yeah. And so you ask the Algerians, who had probably some Moroccans, how do you feel being occupied by Germany? They go, oh, it's literally the worst thing ever happened to me. But a week later, they're in a concentration camp going into showers to be killed. So that wasn't literally the worst thing at all. I mean, they didn't have the, the forethought of looking into the future. But And Newhart goes, I'm, Algerian, I'm Algerians. I'm really confused. It, kept, it was like watching Ali versus Frazier. And then eventually, Bob Newhart cracks a smile. And Norm goes, oh, I'll just show it to you. <laughs> That week, that Saturday, or that Wednesday, I should say, the only sketch Norm handed in was him as Charles Corralton. <laughs> he had no fucking sketch with Bob Newman. And he got on the air. He's an old man makeup, a fat suit, like, I'm Charles Corralton. <laughs> From like 60 minutes or like he was retiring. Yeah. That was the So it was all just bullshit anyway. Newhart fucking sniffed it out. Yeah. That's very hard to, because Norm is. Well, part of the reason why I laugh so hard when you do impressions of Norm because you do it spot on where like Thanks. that's how he is and that's the genius of Norm too you know and that's what makes I think Norm hysterical like Norm it, it's weird to me that people don't find him funny like my sisters are like I don't get it yeah I'm like what are you not getting I Germany took on the world and it was close <laughs> I mean I feel this is a ball a bold statement on my part, but I feel Norm's funnier than Pryor, you know? I think it's a bold statement. Yeah. I don't know how bold it is. Oh, I saw, thought I said bold. Um, funnier than Pryor? Yeah. I think you're insane, but I can't, I mean, it's what makes a horse race is we think a different horse is going to win. Yeah. Um, Norm, I told you this and you were happy. Do you want me to tell another Norm story? Sure. I don't yeah. want to take up your time on this podcast. No, I love you. I love you too, but I want people to know how funny you are. The best rewrite of all time was at Saturday Night Live, Fred Wolf wrote a sketch where David Spade was selling weight loss formula like those infomercials, but the, it was essentially just crystal meth in a shake and a crack pipe. And it's like, I'm going to make you thin. And every time David Spade spoke, the voiceover went, ride the snake, don't let the snake ride you. And he go, you got to ride the snake, smoke the pipe, drink the shake, and you'll lose weight in no time. And they always have those outlines of a fat person. And it says like in six weeks, an outline gets skinnier. This one said six hours, and it's like emaciated. There's like a skeleton on a couch. And there was a pre-film thing in that sketch where Chris Farley goes to a drive through window and goes, I'll have seven cheeseburgers, seven hamburgers, 14 apple pies, 14 large french fries, seven white, uh, seven vanilla milkshakes, I'm paraphrasing, seven chocolate milkshakes and four Cokes. And the guy in the uh, box, the speaker box at the drive-thru goes, will that be all? And in the sketch as it was written, Chris goes, no. 
I'll also have, for two hours, we argued over what to make the second order. Right. Does he just repeat? How about he just repeats the exact same order? I would also like, and repeat the same order. Right. Or go, I'd also like a Diet Coke. Remove the Cokes, just have a, and a Diet Coke. Make that 11 apple pies. Two hours. Right. Norm's in the writer's room. None of us knew that he walked in there. He's just sitting on the couch at the far end of the writer's room with an unlit cigarette. And he goes, hey, you guys. And we all, like, jump as soon as he talks because it's, like, 3.30 in the morning. It's snowing out. We're like, oh, God. He goes, you guys, well, you guys got Chris at that drive-through window, you know. Go, two hours. No. I'd all, no. I'd also, like, no. I'd also, will that be all? No. He goes, hey, you guys got Chris at the window, you know. And he's driving through, like, hey, give me all them cheeseburgers, all those fries. And, you know, I don't know what else you got you know? And then the guy in the box goes, will that be all? And maybe Chris says, yes. <laughs> when I tell you I was on the carpet yeah. from my seat, holding my own body, convulsing laughing, that's how I was. Yeah. We lost our fucking minds. Yeah. He was right. Yeah. One syllable, the entire sketch changed. No. I'll also, how about he says, Yes. <laughs> And then when they filmed it, Chris is at the drive-through window, and he's because he's dieting, he has this like, this really good feeling of self-assurance and confidence. He's like, "Will that be all?" Yes, yeah. like it's working. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. Yeah. That's my best norm, being a brilliant writer story ever. What do you meet other people with either Asperger's or autism? that are like super fired up that you're doing comedy because you represent them or are they like what are you doing out there People saying you got it and you're not you know thinking about your dreams like we are um i would say i get very good positive responses a lot of people would you call it a, sorry would you call it like the community like the asperger the, the autism asperger's community well how would you define it i will call that just a con the community with everybody because everybody is a knows somebody who has a form of autism yeah you know so i think that's what also makes me for a guy who doesn't who doesn't know how to relate to crowds i think that makes me relatable does that make sense it makes sense, but it's fascinating to me that you don't know how to relate to crowds because you always do well. Really? What do you mean, really? You're there. Yeah, yeah. You hear the laughs. Yeah. I've never said, like, oh, that was rough, bro. Because <laughs> I would. Yeah. You do well every time. Yeah. Well, I try my best on every single show because... Well, of course, you don't know anything else. Of yeah. Course. But uh, when you... Are you able in real time, when you're on stage... And I don't know the answer. That's what I'm asking. Okay. Are you able to, in the moment, go, wow, this is going fucking great? Yeah, there's times so where then I you feel, are reading the audience. There's times where I feel amazing audience energy. And then there's time where I don't feel amazing. Well, sometimes they suck. Yeah. But you know, do you know? Mm. I love your joke where you say, you know, I've been doing this for 32 years. If <laughs> the show's not going well. Trust me, it's you. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing comedy 32 years. If the show sucks, it's you. And if the show's great, it's, it's me. me. But if it's like other level, it's us. Yeah. So far, so good. Because then it puts the onus on them. Yeah. So you have, you know, trouble socializing and reading social interaction, social cues. But when you're on stage... I'm you're, free. I feel free. That's, that's... Okay, now we're talking. Yeah. So you're free from the shackles of... Is it, a, would you call it a disability? Yeah. Uh, okay. Of the disability that you have, 
of not that's 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 a powerful message man yeah so people that are not pursuing their dreams whether you have asperger's autism or whether you're just a guy in an office that keeps talking about some shit he wants to do the more you talk about the shit you want to do you're not doing it here's a guy that just said keith said he's free of his burden when he's pursuing his dream and i think that's true across the board for all people yeah that's amazing keith hey, you hear the audience laughing right yeah and you're aware that whether or not a joke is getting the laugh it did the night before or the show before uh no I'm, explain like okay. if you can, as much detail as you can explain the difficulty reading an audience because to me that's i don't get it okay so i can hear the laughter and i could feel the energy but you just asked if i could feel it from one show to the other the answer is no because i don't remember how it feels the previous night so because you don't and you don't remember that it went well I remember it went well, but I don't remember that exact same feeling to how, like, mm. no sh no shows match. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Totally. So it doesn't match for me. Yeah. So it feels, there's times where it feels great, and then there's times where it's like, feels like, I gotta be honest, like, there's times where the energy just feels so bad that it's like, what am I doing? You know what I mean? Like, am I even good? And then there's times where I feel great. It's like, how come I'm not doing more? Does that make, like... It makes perfect sense. Yeah. It, it does. And I feel the same way. Yeah. So you're describing a comedian, not a comedian on the spectrum. No. Just that, so you know. That, oh, okay. So my curiosity to get more specific is, what fascinates me about you as a comedian, and I'm beating a dead horse here because I haven't gotten the answer or the, we haven't hit it. Oh, the way I'm sorry. I, no, no, no. Maybe if it's, it's just a clear question. It's, yeah, yeah, I'm trying. Okay. It's on me, totally. All right. Trouble socializing. When you do stand-up, that is the purest socializing you can ever do. Yeah, because you, you see me like when it's you, me, and uh, Billy, I'm the least talkative guy in the group. You know, when it's you and me, I'm pretty talkative. But, you know, it's more than three people. I'm very, you know, I was, yeah. I was writing a screenplay when you were talking to Joey last night. <laughs> but you can see, you can hear them laugh. You, let me just make it as simple as possible. Okay. It's not, like, you're not on the spectrum where you don't even know if it's going well or not. You obviously know if it's going well. Yeah, I feel energy, yes. And you can leave the stage and go, that was great. Yeah. Okay. That's all I'm getting at. Okay, yeah. So you're socializing problems you're free on stage yes very. you are able to socialize with strangers on your terms and process that it's going well but when you leave the stage that skill becomes elusive yes fascinating yeah. fucking fascinating man yeah. that's why i stand i sound like charlie sheen man it's fun it's fucking fascinating man i love charlie sheen. of course you do i have asperger's as well man uh, she's a fucking human being man little platoon so when you get off stage that's that's why you ask people if you how did you do because you no longer are yeah. able to compartmentalize the good I, let me just say this to you emphatically you're doing great oh thank you you've been doing comedy three months yeah <laughs> the guy last night joey joey no no his name was uh, johnny pen johnny pena yeah he'd been doing comedy three years that he he was a savage yeah. He was a fucking cannibal. He killed everybody and ate their bones and blood and marrow. 
And when I went up on stage, I, it was crazy how well. You see a lot of accelerated comics lately. It's good. So everybody keeps supporting live comedy. And look, it's been months since I did more stories. The fire was out. I didn't have the light inside me. And I can't do anything if I don't have the passion to do it. And that's another piece of advice I can share with you, Keith, and with people. And you know, I'm talking like Norm again, you know, mm -hmm. is if you don't have passion, like, yeah, I don't know, don't do it, you know. <laughs> Go check out Keith Reza. <laughs> What was the best advice I gave you? I don't remember giving you any, like, except the one thing I told you last night. You said I helped you so much with your stand-up, but I'm like, I did? The best advice you ever gave me is... Uh, Each, oh, look, real quick. Okay. Norm McDonald, Jeremy Hotz, Jay Moore. The best advice Norm, Jeremy, and then me gave you. In what order do you want? Uh, me last. Okay. And then we're going to rank them. Okay. So Norm, <laughs> when, when I worked with Norm, Norm, uh, Norm used to tell me, he'd be like, so I uh, want you to go up and kill and be as funny as you can. Oh, that sounds like love it. But he's like, no, be, right. uh, be as funny as you can because you're never going to be better than me. And I want you one day to be better than me. So like his advice of always going up as best as you can and not taking dead silence as an answer, I felt really helped me develop a lot of good material and time and pursuits. I feel like, like it's kind of shitty that the addendum is because you'll never be as good as me, you know? Yeah. Because you will be. Yeah. Of course you will. But Norm knows, you know, he's my idol. And then Hots... It actually takes the pressure off. You're never going to be me. Yeah. So just go fucking murder it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Great. And then Hots, uh, the best advice he ever gave me was uh, just uh, if you believe in your jokes and believe in your heart, you know that you're funny and just do it. You know? I love that. You know? I love that. That's Jeff Cesario said something about that to me once. Yeah. Changed kind of changed my life. Yeah. Because there there were some jokes that like didn't like my black cock joke for <laughs> <laughs> Which one? <laughs> you didn't expect me to just choose one of your black cock jokes. Oh, you do is sell black cocks in the lobby. <laughs> but, you know my black cock joke. You know the one about the guy whose cock is black? He's black also, you know? So, uh, you're black. I don't know a black cock joke. I've never done the black cock joke for you? For me. Uh, no thanks. In front, uh, You've uh, never felt my black cock? <laughs> no thanks. Here's my Eddie Jones card. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, there's one. I gotta post it. There's one. <laughs> I gotta post it. Corey, make a mental note to remind me. There's one of Eddie Jones at Temple going up for a rebound, and he has a fucking Magna light in his shorts. It has its own feeding I go, oh my god, Keith, look at that. And we both started cracking up. And then we were trying to take selfies for Jeannie Bus from the Lakers. Oh my, my, my girlfriend. Of, of me and you holding Eddie Jones cards, and like it was all blurry. We just looked, we looked. Forget autistic. We looked straight <laughs> fucking Down syndrome. We were nuts. Like, yeah, we just, looked crazy. Just a four, a fifty and a four year old holding up basketball cards. It, it was fun though. It was the best. Yeah, that's great advice. And uh, I gave you what advice? Wow. Oh, well, what's the black cock joke? Oh, is um, I <laughs> okay. So I watch a lot of porn. It better yeah. not be mine. Okay. No. <laughs> But, like, when you have Asperger's, you have a great imagination, and when a guy, like, masturbates, he uses his imagination thinking he's doing those things to those ladies or guys or whatever you're into. And I have a man with my Asperger's, I have a great imagination, but I can never watch black porn because I can't imagine I have a huge black cock. 
Right. I like. I don't like black wine at all either. Like I like that cuckold stuff. Yeah. Where like a guy lets his wife get fucked by other people. I'm like, does it always have to be a black bull? Yeah. But there's no white bulls out there. But the joke is, I can't watch a, a black guy. Yeah. Can yeah, you yeah. Imagine you have a black car. Yeah. That's the joke. It, how maybe? So, so Hot said, you know what? It's a funny joke. Just keep doing it because you know. It's I don't think it's finished though. Yeah. I think there's there's like a sentence missing at the end. Mm -hmm. Personally, and I agree with him completely. Yeah. Jeff Cesario said, I go because he worked with. Um, and we'll wrap this up in a sec. We'll get to my advice. We'll close with that, I guess. Well, I uh, wanted to close with one question for you. Keep that question in mind. Right. Jeff Cesario worked with Russell Brand, George Lopez, me, um, Queen Latifah, Arsenio. He won, he won Emmys. Dennis Miller, no mm -hmm. more. And I said, what is, we're all so different, those comedians I just said. Mm -hmm. I said, what's the one thing that strings us all together? Like if you took Dennis Miller, Bill Maher, Jane Moore, Queen Latifah, uh, Bill Bellamy, this guy, that guy, this person, you just open us up like paper dolls, what's the one thing that we're all connected? And he said, your compass. And I said, wow. He goes, a comedian's compass is as true as a fucking compass. Yeah. And when that thing hits due north and he says it's funny, it's funny. Close the cockpit door and keep the network away from him. It might not get a laugh, but it's funny and he was right. You might lose your job, but he was right. You might write articles in Rolling Stone like, could you believe they tried that joke? He was still right. Yeah. And two nights later, I was doing set list where you don't know what you're going to say on stage. They put something on the wall and you have to act like it's your set. And you have to make jokes and the, about that. Right. And the right. audience wasn't there to see set list. Yeah. They just thought we were all on acid. No one was laughing. And it was two nights after he said that, I was just going by the compass. And in real time, I went, oh, wow. Yeah. It was like, talk about freedom. Uh, what's the best advice I gave you? Or do you want the question first? Uh, no, I'll do the, your advice first. So, all right. You know, that black cock joke, you know. <laughs> Maybe, like, you get a shoe shine kid, you know. And you, like, buff up your cock real good. Like, hey, you know, like, black, you know. <laughs> that way you get into those. The best advice you ever... <laughs> The best ever advice you ever gave me was you said uh, you're a comedian and you shouldn't live in fear when you're on stage. And I said that to you? Yeah. I don't remember. And that. you said that on my podcast. And that, I think you got me con confused with David Spade. No. Again. No. And uh, so it's nice because like whenever I go on stage, the fear just doesn't get to me because of that advice. Well, that's good. And that's for life too. Like... I say that to the wrestlers too, like before a match. So you just said you say it to the wrestlers. You don't remember seeing it to me. I only remember I say it to the wrestlers because that's every single day. Yeah. And I'm like, it. I'm in the D. You're getting in their DNA for the rest of their life. Yeah. Well, I hope you're in my DNA for the rest of my life. Of course I am. Yeah. I'm I your love father. you. I'm, I'm your uncle Jay. Yeah. I'm your biological father. <laughs> um. Because with the wrestlers, like you see a guy across the mat, he's all muscly and he's like, he's a senior and I'm a sophomore and it's this and they're all in their own heads and you can lose before you even walk out there. And I go, what do you do every day? Yeah. Wrestle. So then just do that. Yeah. There's no fear. Like just go fucking wrestle. I don't care if you win or lose, just show me effort. Yeah. Don't have fear, everybody. What's the question you have, sweetie? Well, the question is, is because uh, when I was growing up, Jennifer Love Hewitt was my dream girl. And this is going to be an odd question, but is she pretty cool? Yes. Yeah. She's she's really a sweetheart. Yeah. Uh, no, never did anything with her. We never fooled around. Uh, That's going to be the next question. I no, know. no. Well, well it would be everybody else. Uh, um, 
we got along really well. I had a really easy job on Ghost Whisperer because they would one episode would be nine days of filming. Yeah, that's a long fucking slog, and that's you know six a.m. to eight p.m. And I'd only work two days. I'd come in like on day seven, like, yeah, how are we doing, right? I was like the coffee that you can't get in San Jose. Yeah, <laughs> love a callback. She was a she's a real cutie pie. She's beautiful. Um, yeah, she's exactly as she's as advertised. Awesome. She's all of it. She's she's nothing but great. That's great to hear because you hate to hear when you hear like people you loved growing up not be you know from word you know that they're not that cool. You know what's weirder when people say I watched you growing up and they're the same age as you. That happens to me a lot lately. Oh really? I really love that movie. When I was growing up, I watched. I'm like, how old are you? They're like 48. I'm like, well then what? Am I fucking Benjamin Button? Like how? <laughs> Listen, Saturday I'm at the Improv. That's twenty first, eight o'clock. You on that show? I would love to be. And that Billy show. too. So it'll be me, Keith Reza, and Billy Dawes, the, the, the Tinder assassin. All right. Jesus Christ, that guy hits for power and average. Yeah. He's Hank Aaron of Tinder. Yeah. Uh, that's an eight o'clock show, Melrose Improv. There's no better Christmas present than just bringing somebody to uh, see me, Keith, and Billy do stand up comedy. Uh, Joel, uh, Peoria, Illinois, January twenty third, twenty fourth. And 25th. Nice. Am I on Ju those shows too? Uh, I don't know yet. That all has to do with travel. Open invitation. Jukebox Comedy Club in Peoria, Illinois. January 23, 24, 25. Um, I'll just leave the plugs at that. And uh, next more stories will be a, a solo, most likely, uh, life coaching one. It'll be a quickie. And I appreciate your guys' patience. I just didn't... Here's the other reason too. Like, I had a spell on the road. Like, Raleigh... Pittsburgh, there was a bunch, oh, uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut, where there was, like, no audience. Like, it was bad. Yeah. Like, if we're just talking real talk, for some weekends you get 30 grand, 20, 22, like an average. And these places I'm getting, like, four. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? There's no commercials on the podcast. The only reason I started the podcast was to get more people into the rooms, and they kind of stopped showing up. I'm like, well, then what the fuck? It takes a lot of time and energy. Yeah. I was being kind of petty, but I also, the fire was out a little bit because I was beaten down by low attendance so come see the shows you creeps yeah i'm oh. glad i gave you more fire you give me fire man you fire me up yeah. i want to see those paper airports dude <laughs> let's go make some right now i don't i want to see the ones you already made i like <laughs> it i want to know where's the like place to have your dog pee <laughs> it's great <laughs> keith you fascinate me and we're not done with this conversation uh let's let's podcast again okay all right i love you jay i love you brother this is more stories get your gazelle Put your name on it. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible doesn't matter also follow us on social media twitter instagram facebook at razor riffs i am also on stereo if you would like to chat with me there www.stereo.com slash keith razor and on cameo www.cameo.com slash keith razor if you enjoyed the show please send us a donation on the anchor app we really do appreciate it and we'll rift with you again soon.